This episode of the Phantoms of the Silver Screen podcast is intended for mature audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. All right. Welcome to another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen. Today's episode, we are going to talk about episode one of Midnight Mass, the new claimed, acclaimed, best winner Oscar grabbing Netflix series by the one and only Mike Flanagan. Um, we are your hosts. I am Rip, and I am joined by Jumbie. And tonight we are watching Midnight Mass, which is so good that they won't even give it an Emmy, the award for television shows. They're going to give it an Oscar. Yes. <laughs> my That's ignorance. how good it is. My ignorance is showing. <laughs> They're also going to throw a Grammy at it, too. Why not? Fight. Give them all <laughs> the awards. <laughs> the, so anyway, yeah, Nobel Prize winning Midnight Mass. <laughs> episode one. What's the title of episode one? Book one, Genesis. How do we do this? I love the show. <laughs> I'm clearly very hyped about it. We're both very hyped about it. Yes. I was not expecting what I got. I was not expecting a great show like this. I was expecting B tier. <laughs> that being said, it's not because the trailer was bad or anything. I just didn't know anything about this. We just jumped right into it. Yes. Talk a little bit about that, how you did not know <laughs> about that. So Rip just you know, texted me out of the blue, we have to watch this show, and I asked no questions. I was like, all right. What's it called? Midnight Mass? Great. I'm down. That's it. And that's it. And we just jumped into it. Yes. And as I was watching it, I slowly started to realize similarities between this show and the Haunting of Hill House slash Haunting of Blind Manor Netflix adaptations. Yes. And I got super excited because it has the same <laughs> style. It Obviously, because now I know that it's the same creator, Mike, Mike Flanagan. Yes. And I love everything about that show. I love the way that they portray horror. I like the idea of having ghosts and be literal ghosts. It's just memories haunting you. <laughs> um, but then actually there's other supernatural things going on at the same time. I like how they put things in the background, which I didn't see too much of, even though I was trying to look for it at a certain point. Um, I saw like one little thing with the cats, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely was looking around for anything going on in the background. Especially in one particular scene that we'll get to, but mm -hmm. yes, Jumpy did not did not know what was what what was to be expected or anything like that. And I was not prepared. <laughs> just from the just the framing and the the visualizations of how everything was recorded, already you're just like, oh, this is this is Blind Manor and Hill House. What's going on? Yeah, just the the. Almost opening shot. I mean, we open with the, the whole car accident thing. But right after that, when he's starting to see the victim of that in his dreams as he's trying to go to sleep, that visual storytelling is identical to the type <laughs> of stuff they would do in, in Hill House. So I that would tip me off right away. And then again, all, obviously, all the actors are there, pretty <laughs> yeah. much all of them. And we love to see them. That is... Yeah, I love all those actors. Yeah. <sighs> uh. Yes, I did not know what to expect. I was expecting like, um, I knew right uh who it was, 
right off the bat. So I knew everything that wasn't surprising to me. But it's just so good. <laughs> That's all I can say about it. It's just so damn good. And we only, we've only just watched episode one. We haven't really got into episode two, three, four, five, six, seven. Just episode one. And we're already too hyped about it. Yeah. Like, we haven't even got a chance to talk about it. This is our fresh takes on it. Yes. But I'll say right now, it's not going to happen. It's totally not going to happen. But if there's an episode where in the background, you could barely tell. But there's like a broke neck lady just, you know, <laughs> as an Easter egg. I'll be, I'll be, I'll go insane. You have no <laughs> idea. Really. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah, just a good Easter reference. Easter It's reference Hill House, if you didn't know. <laughs> yes. Just put in Easter eggs of Black Manor and yeah. Hill House. Have the tall man. <laughs> I'd be so excited. Uh, but yes, we are big fans of Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Blind Manor. Unfortunately, we didn't have the idea of doing a podcast, so we don't have our thoughts pinned down for those. But that was fun, fun discussions. Maybe one day yeah. we'll rewatch it and yeah. try to. Once, <laughs> once enough time has gone by and I've completely forgotten what happens, we'll watch it again. That'll never happen. We'll always carry that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least some parts of it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's dive right into this. Um. We we start the episode off with a, a deadly car crash. <clears throat> we see two cars collided. Well, but before we do that, we see um, a close up to the the Jesus fish bumper sticker on a convertible. And as we start zooming out, and that's that's important. Um, yeah. We start zooming out, and it's collided with another car. And we see. We start. It starts panning to um, paramedics trying to bring a woman back to life, and it zooms out to a character sitting up with um, in handcuffs, watching this lady being resuscitated, trying to be resuscitated. So we really get this visual of. Um, this probably could have been prevented. We ha- had the inkling of what was the 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 reasoning, but it was only until yeah. the main character starts speaking. Well, yeah, the this guy in handcuffs is the main character, but it was only until mm-hmm. he starts speaking when he starts slurring his speech that uh, was, he was a drunk driver, and he <laughs> drove probably way too fast and collided with this car, and that's it. And uh, an EMT comes and starts checking out um, our main character, whose name is Riley. So Riley Flynn. Riley, Riley Flynn. 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 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Riley, Fl- uh, the paramedic comes to check out Riley Flynn, and he asks him, um, "Is she going to be okay?" No response. Riley's just staring at her trying to get resuscitated but the paramedics pronounce her like check her pulse and pronounce her dead on the at the scene and that's when we kind of get like they put place her body down and her head goes to the side and we see that her head 
was badly damaged. So they tried their best, but unfortunately that wasn't there was nothing more they can do. And then from there Riley um starts saying a Lord's prayer and the medic pretty much cuts him off and says Oh, while you're at it, ask him why he always takes the kids while the drunk fucks all walk away with scratches. So that's a that's a brand on Riley. Yeah. Savage. I I I just want to mention how how good the makeup department did or whatever they did to make her look the way she did. Like it was it was hard to look at. That that looked real. That looked real yeah. good. I mean and I'm the acting on that guy um you could see like you could see pretty I, I don't know how to say it but like all the guilt regret. yeah the guilt in his eyes anything good in terms of his life i, I kind of just saw it leave his face in the way he was expressing himself yeah honestly he um every decision he made up until that point just got checked you know like mm -hmm. he's just mentally checking like what have I done? Like, how did I get to this point? And it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's... I you see him give up in his eyes. Like yeah. that's it's it's hard to watch. Yeah. And we we get to um we we cut to the next scene of Riley in court, um facing. Well, we don't. We just get a close up of his face. We don't see a judge or anything, but. We see in the background, and we see a close-up later, later that her, um, the woman's name was Tara Beth, and her family um, were there watching Riley get sentenced, and he accept he accepts everything. He he knows what he did was wrong. He's guilty, and he's ready to take any punishment that comes his way. And he was pronounced. Uh, he sentenced to go to jail for four to six years, four to 10 years. And he has to pay restitutions in the amount of $140,900 and 11 cents. Wow. Yeah. And you, you can see it on Tara Betts family that it's not enough. Mm -hmm. He's there. He's facing justice, but you know, that's, it won't bring her back. It, it it's never her. enough. Yeah. That's very real, you know? Yeah. And it's, it really brings you in the first couple minutes. <laughs> um, So, yeah, right off, like, you you feel, you see the guilt in his eyes, and it's like, okay, maybe I start feeling for this character, but you get reminded, smack that, that somebody just died, and it could have been prevented. And if he was more responsible or however you want to describe it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, no matter what punishment, uh, what guilt you feel for this character who understands what he did, it doesn't bring back Tara Beth. And you saw that on the family's face. And I was like, damn. Yeah. So it's a 10 right off the bat. Like I, f I felt, yeah. you know, they, they did their job. They pulled me in. Yeah. They, um, they don't make you like this character. But him giving in, just being like, I deserve everything you got. Mm -hmm. You don't hate the character either. I'm kind of like lukewarm on him. Not lukewarm. I'm like 
still mad at him for taking a life, but like I don't hate this character. I want to. I'm interested to see where he goes. Yeah, and he goes right to jail. Yeah, and the next scene is him in his bed, um, in his um uh, in his jail cell, and laying down in bed, he gets um. Oh yeah, and in court you could see two people that. Well, maybe I don't know if his little brother is there, but definitely I noticed the look on his mom and dad's face, like, like yeah, he's going to jail. There, it's um, it was it's a sorrow. They didn't want to see their son in this position, and they know what's gonna happen. Um, and so he's in jail. He his mom sent him. A package which contained pictures of his life back where he lived with his parents, his brother, and his uh, back uh, former girlfriend or a love interest. We don't know yet. <laughs> Female um, friend. We don't know. I'm just spoiling everything right now. But yeah. yeah. Um, and then he gets a Bible. And his mom included a passage in there some kind of comfort and to sum it up is that um that even though everything sucks right now obviously she didn't write this she actually wrote the passage but I can't for the life of me remember it off the top of my head but everything sucks right now but God doesn't abandon people so but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him Barren in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Genesis thirty nine twenty one. Nice. I think that's what it said. I can't really read cursive <laughs> that well. <but. laughs> you have the actual letter in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I looked up a screenshot. <laughs> Interesting that it's from the book of Genesis because this is called book one Genesis. Yeah. In Maybe fact, that'll be a theme. They just keep using different like Bible verses. I have not read the episode titles for all of the other ones, and I won't, so I can't say there's going to be either. a theme. But we'll tell you on episode seven of this. So, uh, yeah. Back to this. He's in jail. He gets the letter. He puts the the Bible aside. He lays down his bed and slides out. He doesn't feel comfortable laying up to look at the ceiling so he decides to lay on his side and it's at that point that this is when the camera starts panning from the horizontal view to like a vertical view and and then we see his point of view what he's because he he doesn't blink he's just staring staring at something no reaction but you can tell like something has his eye and then we cut to a visual of what he's seeing and it's Terabets uh Terra is standing in front of him where the gory parts of the accident um are replaced with like what's it called? The flashing like, lights of the scene. Yeah. To me it looked like um to me, it looked like it was like her corpse, but you know, reanimated, and she had like glass embedded into her face. That's what it looked like to yeah. me, and then that glass was just still reflecting the ambulance siren and the police sirens, 
or lights or whatever it's called. Yeah. Every time it went off and it just looked like it was sparkling. That yeah. that was it was a really interesting effect. It was and, and they did a jump scare a couple <laughs> times there and yeah. it got me every single time. <laughs> yeah, they they panned back from Terabeth to Riley to Terabeth to Riley like often and it really hit the point home and then they kept doing it right after that. So a little bit too many pans for my liking, but the the point definitely got across. The guilt is still with him. He's not he's he's not gonna he's not coming out of this like um gonna be healed. He has that scar for the rest of his life. That guilt. Then four years, years later, later comes on the screen. And we are in Crockett Island. Population one hundred and twenty seven people apparently. Yeah. So we're on this island. It's been four years. We go into the Finn, the Flynn household where we see Papa Flynn and Mama Flynn. I can't remember their names. Uh, do you remember? <laughs> um, no. I know the mom's right. name is Anna. I don't know what the dad's name. That's gonna it's gonna bug the shit out of me. Keep going. His name's Ed Ed Flynn. But we're gonna refer to them as Papa and Mama Flynn. So I'm down. We see an, we see Papa and Mama Flynn just hanging out, um, getting ready for the day. Their son is also preparing for the day, and his name is Warren, Warren Flynn. I'm just going to call him Warren. He looks like a real cool kid. He has a jean jacket. You know, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. So we can't tell what time period it is, really. I still really can't. Um, it's because Mama Flynn is talking on a cord phone. Which really throws you off, right? Yeah. Like, could and be the seventies. It could be eighties, nineties. So who knows? You get a cord phone. You get Papa Flynn with a with an eighties porn mustache, and yeah. you get Warren with a nineties jean jacket. It's just all over the place. I don't know. Oh, and uh, Ed starts playing a record on his record player. So. This could literally be any period of time <laughs> within the last fifty years or something. Like, <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, he uh, and the household looks kind of a little like seventies vibe with the furniture and the color scheme and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> could be. So Warren's getting ready to go out for an, like you know a night out with the friends with the boys, I guess. Mm -hmm. And before he leaves, his mom's talking to him while she's on the phone as well. And she's just telling him, you know, the typical mom thing to say, be good, be safe, do not drink. Yes. Which seems to be a big point of contention in this household because of their history. And that totally makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Do not drink. And he promises that he's not going to drink. Right. And that he's going to be good. <laughs> so, you know, she believes him. He leaves. And our story continues. Also, he I gets like, on his bike. Oh, I, what happened? I like to note that um, it, it's very off screen, but Ed's health it caught my eye. Like he seems, right? he seems like all together. But he, the moment he got gets up, you could tell he's in a lot of pain. Uh, he was coughing a lot, and that made him want a cigarette, which he smoked outside, which is very courteous. You know, he didn't smoke it inside the house; smoked it outside the house. But good catch. I'm sure that is a family rule, though. I'm sure that her, <laughs> the mom is like, Mama Flynn's like, get outside. <laughs> I don't know. But that, that is, 
I mean, I have to. You know what? I could be projecting, but I feel like that would be that would be a rule uh, that a mom would have. But that family dynamic feels like his house, his rules. Even though she's always trying to keep it together, it's a very um, old school religious household. Yeah, this whole town is covered <laughs> with like religious overtones, and you know we say religious. It's very like Catholic Christian mm-hmm. kind of town. Um, not much room for any other religions, it seems, and we'll <laughs> we'll see more about that as it goes on. So our boy Warren. He puts on all his cool kid clothes and he leaves on his bike and rides off to meet the boys. So what happens next? Well, we get some... They use this as a device to get a good look at the town, which is seems like a, like a small town, a fisherman's town, you know? Yeah. You I see... mean, 127 people. Yeah. That's pretty slow, pretty small. Yeah, the you could see a lot of their um, income comes from catching uh, sea life, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a fisherman's town. Um, they're right by water, but they're wearing jackets, so it's all some probably somewhere north. Um, so yeah, so our boy Warren's riding his bike, and we get we get glimpses of um, characters in town. We get a small look at Aaron Green. She waves yes. hi to him. We get a small. Uh, he meets up with his. No, he. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that doesn't happen yet. But he does end up at the docks and meets up with his boy. Um. I love Aaron Green. <laughs> I love the actress. I love anything that she is in. She's great. <laughs> we uh, get a glimpse of the church. They they make sure to you know, zoom in to the church and show the Catholic church is like the, the St. Patrick's Catholic church is like very special or whatever. And then we end his journey at the boat where he meets up with his boy. (laughs) I think Aaron green is like the most notable part of that big journey though. Yeah. I mean, she, we are, if you're, if you're caught up with the, the haunting series, you're able to recognize her. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, she used to be part of that sh- those other shows. Yeah. But he um he meets up with his friend who his mother warned him that he's been up to no good in the upwards, which is another um part of the town, I guess, another island that the some mischief happens over there, but it's widely known around the town that like, yeah, when people go up there mischief happens, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and then why is his, and his other friend comes who just so happens to be the sheriff's son. Yeah. Ali. Yeah. So his friend makes like a racist remark. He calls a friend Aladdin as he <laughs> arrives and he's just like, you invited Aladdin, which was, you know, it sets the tone for the mindset of some of these townsfolk. Yeah. Uh, he shows up. And the friend's very concerned because he seems like a delinquent. I don't know his name because I can't remember it. So I'm going to refer to him as the delinquent. Okay. So the delinquent sees Ali showing up. He's very concerned because apparently they're going to do something illegal right now. And inviting the sheriff's son along is a bad idea. Although I don't like this delinquent. 
that makes sense. Why would you invite the sheriff's son? Uker. Uker. What's his name? Uker or Uker? I'm sorry. I should have just kept it as delinquent's kid. <laughs> I'm going to go with delinquent's kid because I can't pronounce what you're saying <laughs> without making, you know, saying a profanity. All right. So the delinquent is concerned, rightfully so, because this, this kid's the sheriff's son. We're about to do something illegal. Why'd you invite him? And he's like, mad at Warren. Warren's obviously the coolest kid in town. He vouched for him. Enough said. Allie's staying. Allie's showing up. Yeah. So they look at the boat. We see a lot of passengers coming off of the boat. And we spot the guy that they're looking for, a fisherman, who is apparently going to sell him some drugs. Ooh. Ooh. So the fisherman's there. They buy some drugs for him. Everything goes pretty smoothly. Nothing to worry about. And even he's a fisher. little, he's a little, yeah. The fisherman knows him because everyone in this town knows each other by name. Yeah. And the fisherman's like... just like, why did you bring this kid? Yeah. And the kid needs to be like putting down his dad, which I felt a little bad about. He's like, because he's just say, like, you want yeah. me to say, fuck my dad? Well, fuck the sheriff. Fuck my dad. Are you happy? And apparently it was good enough for the guy because the next scene, <laughs> they're riding their bike. And it, he, poor kid, he gets hounded over and over. He gets bombarded with the same question: "Don't narc. You better not tell your dad. Your dad better not find this out. You know, you know what's gonna happen if so. Um, if your dad finds out what's going on at the upwards, that that's it's like a tradition. Like everybody knows, it's a it's a rite of passage. I would say mm-hmm. that when you're a young teen, just to go up to the upwards and smoke a little weed, drink a little bit, a lot of Seems that age. Way. Yeah. But Ali's just like, dude, I just I just want to drink and smoke. Shut the fuck up. Let's go. <laughs> but he keeps getting harassed. He's like, you better not narc. Like, okay, fine. Um, so as they're riding their bike, they ride um, to... Uh, Lisa. See. Lisa? Yeah, I think her name's Lisa. Lisa's house. Yeah, and she's outside reading a book. And they start to pick up a conversation. You can already tell Warren has a little crush on her. I like to say it's mutual. You could tell she likes mm-hmm. seeing him too. Um, so I'm about it. They look good together. They're cute. And she knows what Warren's about. So as soon as she sees Warren, she's like, oh, what are you guys up to? No good. And then <laughs> uh, the delinquent just shows out. Like, look what we got. And she also have a little bag of weed. And Ollie's like, are you fucking serious? And you're worried about me narking? <laughs> It's like dumbass. Yeah, he, I'm so happy he said that. I was like, this idiot. He's just flashing it around. Um, Lisa is not the only one in this scene. I, I saw an old man coming out of his house, like across the street, a neighbor. Hmm. And he's like in view. He could see you pulling out your drugs. And this is a small town. I'm sure everyone's up, up in your business. You shouldn't be pulling that out. What kind of delinquent are you? For real. Um, and then... So, uh, Lisa's mom calls her in for supper. Uh, they quickly hide the bag of weed. They um, and then that's when we see Lisa's in a wheelchair, and she um, goes back inside, and they're off. They're off to. We see the little uh, the the montage of them going to the diff to the to the canoe, and later on they'll go to um the uppers while that's happening we get a 
um, introduced to, I think now is when we get introduced to Ali's father. Um, before we see Ali's father, before we see Ali's father, we see a mystery man, a mysterious figure. I mean, we know who he is from later on, but we see a mysterious figure pulling a chest into a house. We don't know who it is. Oh, that's not yet. Not yet. That's that's later. Oh, wait. No, it's right here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's he, this mysterious man is pulling this chest, seems pretty heavy, into a house belonging to someone. And he's opening it up. We don't really see him open the chest. That's a very mysterious scene. Obviously, some shady stuff is happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, also, something else. There's there's a character later on that I just want to bring up. His name's like Father Paul. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he came in on that barge. And I feel like I saw him. Like, I saw the actor on oh, the yeah. barge because I, I recognized the actor's face. <laughs> I haven't went back to check. I, I think I want to. But, like, I feel <laughs> like he was there. That'd be nice. That'd be a cool thing to watch. There were, there were some people there, but yeah. um, yeah. So then, now After we get, that. now we get to the uppers. Now we're at the uppers, and uh, um, the boys are sitting there smoking some weed, and Warren gets offered a beer, and Warren says no. Warren promises mom he wouldn't drink. And he's not drinking. <laughs> he's smoking <laughs> weed, but he's not drinking. I'm proud of my boy. Yeah. Kept and, his promise. <laughs> and the three boys are just cracking jokes, um, saying... Notably, they're on an island. Yeah. I don't know if we mentioned that. They're yeah, on they, a little island that they had to sail to. Yeah, they had to take a canoe over, um, go deep. And yeah, we get the montage of them walking through the woods. And this is the part... Before they started smoking the weed and all that stuff, this is the part where like we were keen eyed to see what was going on in the background because it's it's the middle of the night, they're alone on this island, and it just has a bunch of cats. They revealed the background of the story about um, somebody dropped some cats over, and they just started reproducing, and it's more cats, more cats, more cats. They also have a little conversation about like. Yeah, it it said that like people used to live here and they would just bury their dead in the backyard. And when it rains a lot, mm-hmm. you can see all the dead bodies just pop up, and that's what the cats eat. Yeah, that's how they survive this whole time. <laughs> and then one of them was like, "Shut up!" I think it was Warren. He's like, "You shut your mouth right now, right?" I live in this little area where anything that gets washed up by the rain, that's where all the dead stuff goes, and it's all just like basically bones at that <laughs> point. There's yeah. no meat to eat. You're talking. <laughs> shit right now liquid kid just shut your mouth and let's go have fun and as they're having that conversation we just see like eyes glowing in the background that clearly belong to cats but we just need to be like okay there has to be just something here there's a very mm-hmm. ominous tone in the the casual talking of the of the of the boys it was um, so good <laughs> but we don't see really see anything so now we they're Sitting there smoking weed, Warren gets offered beer. He declines. Uh, Ali asks, "Like, what do they do up here?" Um, I think this is where they start hinting that him, Ali, and his dad are new in town because he doesn't really know like what what goes on. But uh, that's when uh, 
um, delinquent kid reveals that his brother, his older brother, and Warren's older brother used to come to the upwards, cause mischief, smoke weed, drink. Um, one time he caught his older brother having sex with a girl up there, you know, mm. and they, they said, uh, they said, um, their brothers used to joke about, well, try to scare them and tell them that the upwards were was haunted by harpoon Harry, a killer who, uh, with a harpoon who just kill kids for what their meat or something. I don't know. I love harpoon Harry. <laughs> it reminds me of, um, the hash slinging slasher from Sponge, SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. The bash slinging, the cash, the black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the but then out of nowhere, oh, we hear two cats, uh, either reproducing or killing each other. Well, that's that that was a theory, right? <laughs> that because they sound as scared, they're just wailing and howling. <laughs> And, and delinquent kid is just like, yeah, that sounded like Heather. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then we just hear a, like a hard twig snap that couldn't have been from a cat, but they quickly, of uh, Warren screams, delinquent kid falls over. They quickly put the flashlight to where it's, um, uh, where uh, where the sound came from. And we just see some cats and the eyes glowing and nothing else. So so in that scene, we saw some eyes glowing just like the cats. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I, did, I thought you noticed, but <laughs> it was too high. It was too high up to be a cat. Like oh, it oh. was it was like human being height oh, I off only, the ground. I only noticed the two eyes from the cat. I did not notice that there were more eyes. There was there was the same <laughs> like cat eyes, but it was too high. I can't believe you didn't notice. It. I got so scared. <laughs> I, I think my body just was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're not. You need to sleep tonight. <laughs> I I saw the eyes and I was just like, Harpoon Harry lives. I'm so excited. I want to see what Harpoon Harry's about. <laughs> it was yeah. such good. It was such a good scene too. Like I love these little like little. It's almost like Easter eggs, but you're meant to see them. Yeah. These little scary, nuanced kind of ways to storytell. Not just like in your face, get scared because of the body gore. I yeah. like this stuff. Fill in the blanks yourself. Yeah, it's scarier. It, it, it warrants rewatches. And no pun intended for the word warrant because the character's Warren. Yay. Yeah, another thing about <laughs> the way this guy tells stories, uh, because of the... like. I'm going to hide things in the background and not make it obvious nature of his storytelling. It makes you look at the screen. Like even if you're scared of horror, like scary stuff, or horror stuff, you don't want to look at the screen. You have to keep looking because you're searching, you're searching for these little hidden things. And it just, it adds another layer to it. Like I'm really <laughs> invested. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I need to, in fact, I probably missed some important details from the storytelling that the kids are doing because I was too busy looking around in the back. Oh, well, <laughs> guess I got to watch the episode again. <laughs> Maybe when we're all done, we'll just watch every, like, we'll binge the whole season again. <laughs> just get everybody's names right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's see. So after that scare, they start cracking up. Uh, Delinquent kid 
<laughs> when he fell over because Warren screamed, um, had uh, laid in some cat shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh well. All right, and then we cut to the next day, which shows it's the big day, Riley's return. Mm-hmm. I think the mother hang out with his friends that his brother's gonna come out but i'd completely forgotten or just didn't register that this was his brother because you know it's the first time we're seeing this so riley flynn is released from jail like parent sentence you know he didn't get the maximum he got released for good behavior or whatever he served the minimum yeah but four years later he's out yeah he's on his boat and he gets picked up by his mama and as they're leaving, as his mom picks picks him up and, you know, says hello, hugs him, does, every, does everything you think she's going to do, we see another lady there. Uh, they pass this really religious-looking lady. <laughs> um, I want to say her name's Bev. I don't remember her name. Miss Bev Keen. Bev Keen, okay. Miss and Keen. we're going to call her Bev. Oh, I don't think she likes Just, that. She wouldn't, which is why I'm doing it, because I don't like Bev. <laughs> so Bev Bev really is adding to the the whole misinterpretation of the time era here. Because she <laughs> she came straight out of the thirties with her mentality and her aesthetics. <laughs> Everything about her is just like you don't belong here. You be- you belong in a Puritan camp. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. she comes out, she's wearing like her full, like religious old lady garb. And she goes up to one of the fishermen who will remain nameless. Just just call him Grizzly Fisherman Man. And he's like, hey, Mr. Fisherman Man, is the father here, is Monsignor here? Yes. Because he was supposed to be on this boat. And I know he's on this boat. And she's being a real Karen about it because he's just like, I haven't seen him. And she's (laughs) like, well, what do you mean you don't see him? He's really hard to miss. You had to have seen Monsignor. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, maybe I missed him. I don't know. Get away. He was very, he reacted how I felt, which is just like, get away from me, lady. <laughs> He's like, maybe I just missed him. There's so many people. I'm sorry. <laughs> and pretty much, uh, it's a small town. So when Riley's mom picked him up, they literally, she literally like just walked over there and walked and to walk him back to, to their house. And, mm-hmm. You could tell Riley's disappointed because his dad didn't show up. Neither did Warren. Yeah. And right out, right there, um, Mama Riley's already making excuses for the family. Oh, you know how hard your father works. He's she's like yeah. He's like yeah. And you could tell like she's like scrambling to make that excuse, you know. But Riley knows at this point. He's like yeah, yeah, okay. And so they they're walking and. It's Riley just yeah. four years later, Riley is not um is not happy to be back. He just feels like it's it's a religious town. There could be some judgment and I think Riley is just already feeling all that judgment while walking through town. They know well, why. of course <laughs> of course he is, because the moment he steps off the the boat he sees Bev over here, <laughs> side-eying him, already judging him. He's uh, like, I can't believe this. You're greeting me with Bev? I already want to go back to prison. 
<laughs> yeah, I'd feel mad. Bev, oh, Miss Keen. I don't know what to say. I hate her. I hate her. <laughs> I already hate her. Yes. And um, one of those people that has to be secretive about everything, but isn't everybody else's business. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we all know, We all know that person. Yeah. Um, but, uh, as we're walking through town is when we get an introduction to, um, Ali's father, the sheriff, and, um, played by the man from Haunting of Blind Matters. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to pronounce it. Can you pronounce it? Raul Kali. Raul Kali. All right. He's... He's great. He's super handsome. Amazing man to look at. Sheriff Hansen or Hassan, sorry. Awesome. Hansen is a boy band. Sheriff Hassan. Yes. So he's wearing a cool jean jacket as well. It was cool. It was and nice. nice looking jean jacket. It was. I mean, I, I have a lot of like, I want to buy all these clothes that I'm seeing. <laughs> but before, before we even see uh, Sheriff Hassan, we see a little tiny scene introducing two big characters. So there's a little scene right before that where we see Erin uh, Green and she is getting a sonogram done. Oh, yes, yes. So she's getting the, the little fluid or the little gel rubbed mm-hmm. on her belly and she's getting this sonogram performed by Dr. Sarah Gunning. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Gunning is doing this thing. It's a really cute scene. Um, I was a little apprehensive at first because I was still not sure what this movie, like not well, not movie, what this TV show was about. I wasn't sure if it was like going to be something deformed or something gross to look at. I had a good idea that this was um, Haunting of Hill House style, but I wasn't sure yet. So I was still a little nervous. But luckily, mm-hmm. they didn't do anything gross. It was a perfectly healthy little baby. Mm-hmm. It had a perfectly nice look to it they saw his little feet or her little feet or whatever little feet it was so cute (laughs) um yeah and aaron seems ecstatic she's just really happy to be having this baby and we see i did notice though that the doctor as she was performing the sonogram she did have a look of concern and you can tell that aaron was just so taken aback by seeing the life that she that's within her body that she wasn't catching the, the the vibes the doctor was giving out. Like, it, it was, like, I, I caught it, like, yeah, yeah there's a foot, there, there's a spine, healthy spine, but, like, the tone of her voice really said, like, something's, something's up and something's bothering her. And she reveals it right after when they cut to the, the two of them talking after the sonogram, and... Um, the doctor asked her, have you been spotting lately? And she's like, no, why? Uh, what's wrong? Clearly concerned, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, it's no big deal. Just, I know it's a little bit of bleeding. And I don't know. I've never, <laughs> I've never been in a room with a doctor talking to somebody who's pregnant before, but I feel like this is an important detail to note and to come back to later. Maybe I'm wrong whatever <laughs> i i really really hope you're wrong i don't want to <laughs> feel like that i hope that doesn't happen i hope everything's fine 
I'm just any little detail I can tag onto that seems out of the ordinary, I'm latching onto. <laughs> no, it's good. It's probably gonna come up. Um, one thing that happens in this scene, just for you know, just to catch everything, I feel like they get interrupted, or is that later? They get interrupted by by the doctor's mom. Yeah. Yeah. By Grandma Gunning, I guess is what I'm gonna call her because I don't know her name. Yeah. Oh. Um... I know the doctor. Yeah, they get interrupted, but that's uh, they both. It was kind of like a jump scare kind of thing because mm-hmm. uh, what caught Aaron Green's and and the doctor's eye was um, the return of White Riley as he's walking through town with his mom. Ah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that that's what they're like. And then you know, I, the you could tell at that point, like the doctor was kind of filling Aaron in, like, oh yeah, that's him with his mom. You know, they're he's back. And Aaron, quick little surprise. So you can we know that she knows she knows Riley from yeah. the photos, at least. Yeah, something's there. And if not, you could just infer it because literally everyone in this town knows each other. So, <laughs> and then that's when the um, the doctor's mom walks in. Yeah, and something's up with the mom. You know, she obviously has like a little bit of dementia going on. She yeah. doesn't know exactly where she is. Always hard to watch when they portray that in TV shows, but you know it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and she, she's she's um she reveals that um, oh you, oh to her daughter that her daughter put her in the wrong room. She's supposed to be upstairs, and that's when the doctor's like, "No, we changed you a year ago. You're downstairs because you're back. Trust me. Like, yeah, sad to see, but it's." It's real. <laughs> One thing I want to say before we move on from this scene, uh, <laughs> the grandma. Is that a real old lady? Oh, you don't it you don't buy it. <laughs> like, is it a real old lady? Cuz like it it can be, but she she looks like maybe she could be a young lady with like makeup on. Oh. I can't tell. Oh, I I think you're correct. Am um, I? It says he, uh, okay. Uh, Mildred Gunning, Sarah's aging mother who suffers from dementia, played by Alex, and I apologize, Alex, Alex S. Esso. Alex Esso, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> was born March 9th, 1992. What? Okay. <laughs> so we got a young grandma here because I, I can't believe I caught that. All right. It's nothing to say about the makeup. It was good. I just had a feeling. Wait, wait. Something was a little off. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Because the uh, makeup looked great. That could be a real old lady. That was... She played Wendy Torrance in Doctor Sleep. Nice. Okay. Good, good, good. I like Doctor Sleep. <laughs> Me too. Well, dang. Knowing that, I have to assume there's going to be a flashback scene where she's young. I have to. <laughs> and she was also in The Haunting of Blind Manor, by the way. Uh, Figures. Charlotte Wingrave. Oh, the 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 mother. Yes. And she was like, yeah, okay, the <laughs> mother who uh, kind of messed things up there with her relationship. Whatever. We're not talking about that show. <laughs> We're talking about this show. So we move on, and we see Sheriff Hassan and his beautiful little dog. Yes. Who's precious and nothing to be scared of at all. Mm-hmm. He says, "Top of the morning to you." To Riley and the mom as they walk by. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. Very mm-hmm. nice. 
So then he walks into the store. He goes back. Well, it's not the store. It looks like they have like a little store in front of the sheriff's office, yeah. which is a little odd to me. <laughs> Convenience. You store. see that? Yeah. It's yeah. not like sodas being for sale. It's like, what is going on in this town? But whatever. <laughs> the convenience store slash police station for the entire island. <laughs> he walks in there and he's talking to this drunk in a cage. And he's just like, yeah, this is where you wanted to end up. This is where you wanted to end up after all the shit you pulled last night, isn't it? And then the drunk's just like, what do you mean? Can't believe you threw me in here. And I can't remember exactly what they're saying, but given what like they're back and forth, it seems like this guy's a cop. Is he a cop? I don't know. It was just, uh, he see no, I think he's a fisherman or something that, mm. and it's, they've had this conversation several times and um uh the sheriff was just like yeah um i'm not i'm not i'm this is gonna be a shorter speech because i'm not gonna try to convince you to stop drinking you know so they've had this conversation already Mm -hmm. um so the sheriff is new to town but not not that new because he's dealt with this dude already and this this guy, um, he was. I mean, we're, we're, I'm, we should stop saying it at some point. But he was also in Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Um, this drunk, he makes a you know, kind of racist remark about his religion, something about Allah and stuff like that. And uh, oh yeah, he mentions that he can't drink yeah. because of his in his religion, you're not supposed to drink. Right. So we get a you know a bad impression for this man right off the bat. Pretty much the whole town has a bad impression. <laughs> yeah, except the so main this characters. Man, something important to note for this. Yeah, except for the main characters. Something important to note for this scene is like, when I pulled you in, he's talking to the drunk and he's like, look, when I pulled you in, you were just screaming about being chased by this large albatross winged creature. And he's just like, well, that makes sense because that's supposed to be a sign of like... Uh, a bad omen to a fisherman and you would know that if you were a fisherman <laughs> which is apparently a, a big job here on the island <laughs> yeah so like and the only source just, of income <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just wanted to point out the albatross thing because i feel like whatever that hat creature thing is it's gonna have big albatross wings <laughs> i I want to say, uh, the, when I heard that, the thing, the first thing that, that popped into my head was, oh, he's being chased by, and and like and just something with angelic wings, but not an that would, angel. That would make so so much sense, given <laughs> the the tone of this town and the tone of the series, really. Yeah. Because it's it's very like religious horror, I guess, or like playing with Catholicism and using the. the stuff within that religion to scare you yeah that makes sense oh my god i didn't even think of that it, yeah. honestly in my head i was just imagining jeepers creepers <laughs> like flying around that's that's what was in my head but yeah. that makes much more sense i mean angels there's, there have been like depictions of demons having angel wings and there's this whole thing behind that that they're former whatever <laughs> i'm not gonna go into all that but yeah though um, it could be <clears throat> My guess is he goes being chased by where the fuck was on the uh, was it the the uppins the uppers, the uppers. Yeah, but we'll see. 
Um, but we go outside. Um, well, he lets he let. Well, his name is Joe. <laughs> he lets Joe go, and Joe's like, um, uh, Sheriff Hassan was pretty much like, yeah, I'll see you soon. Like, alluding like, yeah, I'm probably gonna see you tonight. <laughs> he he bends down to pet his beautiful dog, mm-hmm. and you know who shows up? The real villain, Bev. Bev <laughs> shows up, and she's like, that thing over there snapped at me. <laughs> and they're like, I'm pretty sure it just barks. I mean, it's a dog. It barks yeah. at people. Mm-hmm. It usually barks at pure evil. It's weird that it was barking <laughs> at you, Bev. Bev was like, I hate that thing. It's a menace. <laughs> and oh. I just wanted to mention that. It's not even an important scene. We could have skipped it, but I hate <laughs> Bev. And I just wanted to bring it up. No, I think it's very important because it really establishes Bev. You know? like <laughs> To me, it's like the dog wasn't bothering anybody. It only it barked at her. And she, I feel like she made like um, a a small situation into a big one. Like it just barked, and she's like, "Oh, snapped at me!" I felt like I was gonna bite my arm off, and everybody's just like, "Oh, come on, really?" <laughs> and he then, definitely gives me. You know what it is? I know why I don't like her. She gives me. Have you ever seen the movie The Mist? Yes, yes. Um, I was about she to compare, she yes. is. She is that character. <laughs> She's that religious lady in that in that in that depiction of in of The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist. Which. I hate it. Which this albatross monster that that was that's probably gonna be the main monster of this thing. I feel like she's gonna mistake it for an angel, or um, she's going to uh, blame it on uh, Aaron and Flynn coming back, mm. or mm. both, or both. Maybe she's like, <laughs> it's one thing can be sure she's definitely going to falsely ac- accuse somebody yeah that's that's what her character like <laughs> rope is going to be that's what that's what they always do with these like really judgmental religious figures in, in tv shows and movies yeah. um they make them wrongfully accuse somebody and they use their religion as like a a means to accuse instead of what it's supposed to be used for yeah <laughs> uh. Oh, anyway, so enough of bed. She's yeah. bumming me out. Moving <laughs> on. Um, so we go, but we cut back to Riley and um, and his mom, Mama Flynn, walking back to the house. And, still not there, huh? Yeah, they're still not she's... there. <laughs> the they um, they're catching up. She's Mama Flynn's just catching up. Just starts um, talking about uh, people leaving. Um, trying to sell their homes. No one's going to buy it because no one wants to come live there. There's nothing... You don't come back to to the to the island, um, Crockett Island. You you leave. That's it. Mm-hmm. Either you're born there, you stay, or you leave. There's no... You don't come to Crockett Island. And um, I would say this. There is... It's not a creepy vibe I get from like them that walk and they're they're panning to um as they're panning as they're walking through the town but there is something ominous like something there's something coming and i get that vibe like they're just trying to fill you in on how the town life in with the dialogue but um the atmosphere to me feels like it's ominous maybe because i know it's it's, uh it's almost like a storm is coming (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, it is cloudy, right? It looks like it's going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe a little thunder, thunder shower. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, <sighs> yeah. And then, you know, just a tragedy, not the tragedy, but people trying to sell their home regardless of whether they're going to buy it or not. And unfortunately, they just can't pick up and leave, you know, because they don't have the income to support them of like, of going to off the off the off the going to the mainland off the island onto the mainland so yeah um they uh they go inside the house he uh takes a minute before he steps in through the threshold of the house i guess just soaking it all in that he's actually home mm-hmm. and they go inside and they have a little chat with um you know with each other just talking catching up more and the mom mentions that three years ago there was this big oil spill. Yeah. And that's kind of what's leading to all the town's problems. Yeah. So there was a big oil spill. It's been really hard on their dad and all the fishermen, really, because the government's super inept and they're cutting back at, um, like their turf, I guess, or how much fish they could fish in a day instead of doing anything about the actual oil company that yeah. caused the problem. And <laughs> it's basically... A big issue that the mom's just dumping onto his shoulders right now, but he's not really embracing it. He's kind of in his own head because yeah. he just got out of prison. So yeah. she's just going on and on. <laughs> but good backstory. I didn't realize that. Um, there's a. I think it um, cuts to classroom. Yeah, or the dinner. No, I think it cuts to the classroom then the dinner. Yeah. So we cut to the classroom. Um they uh we learned that Sheriff Hassan is new in town. Like he's a new sheriff, so the they just needed the town, like the major players of the town to come in and uh review the safety precautions while Sheriff Hassan learns it. So um <laughs> Sheriff Hassan had some ideas on what to where to store everybody, you know, the, using the school, but somebody had, had was against the idea. Who was it? It was the lovely Bev. <laughs> uh, it's funny, like I grew up watching Rocco, and one of the characters is Bev Bighead. So every time I say Bev, <laughs> I just think of Bev Big Head. Well, Bev Big Head is back because she only <laughs> has a big head. I hate it. <laughs> but I hate Bev, every Bev Big Head was such a good character, though. Anyway, um, uh, so she was, she was against it. Bev, yeah, Bev Big Head is here. <laughs> the sheriff's here. The doctor from earlier is here. Yes. Even Aaron Green is in in, ta- in the classroom. We're all talking here. All yeah. the all the talking heads of the town, the big important people. Yeah, she's against it. She's classrooms against it. no go. The the recreation center is the the go to place, and then they said they were building something else that's twice as big. And mm-hmm. Sheriff Hassan was gonna be like, "Well, I just thought that the class," and he stops himself and he's like, "Sorry, sorry, Miss Keen," you know. Because he could tell. Yeah. He could tell he's not getting anywhere <laughs> with these people. She wants it to be at her church. That's where everyone congregates, yeah. at the church. There you go. And that's what we're going to do. 
Um, and because the church is also, you know, building this expansion, it could hold twice the amount of people. And the point the sheriff was going to make was like, yeah, but we don't have twice the amount of people. We have like a hundred <laughs> and something people total. The school would do fine, but okay, I'm not going to fight. You know, let's go to church. Yay, church. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she notices like reluctance and she's instantly judging him for it. And she just holds on to that hatred inside because that's what Bev does. But don't don't forget the classic line. She's like, you know, like, oh, um, it's like, yeah, I mean, sorry, we don't have like a mosque or temple or whatever f- that you're more comfortable with. Honestly, blocked it out. Whatever. It's fine. Whatever. Bev, Bev's be Bevan. We're just going to move on from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. I think that's now we got to the dinner, right? Yeah. Oh, and at this point, I was also like, they're making a lot of allusions to him being a member of like the Muslim faith. Oh, yeah. But I also made the comment where it's just like, what if he's not even Muslim? They just keep <laughs> saying these things to him because he hasn't really said anything that would point toward any religion. So I'm just like, what if they're just being super racist in this town? <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> But, mm. um, let's see. Yeah, then we cut to the dinner. Yeah, and, dinner time. Yeah, and it's like one of the things I was I was curious about was the dynamic between uh, Riley and Warren, because I felt like Warren's at that age where Riley would probably want to tell him like, "Oh, be careful, do this, don't do this, don't do that," and then Warren seems to be like, "You ha- you've been gone for four years. Do you have no." There's no place for you to tell me anything. But it seemed like Warren was happy to catch up uh, Flint, um, Riley. Mm-hmm. And they're just shooting the shit, just talking back and forth while they're eating dinner. Mom chiming in every now and then. Um, uh, you could tell Warren looked up to his brother. And you could tell his brother, like, uh, still like that appreciate that it's nice um i think warren's the only one treating him like a person like normal yeah not like a person but like like nothing's changed he's just still talking to him like he's his big brother yeah and not judging him like you know like the elephant in the room right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and warren's just like whatever i don't care let's let's catch up but um the father is noticeably not saying anything. And uh, they were talking about Monsignor Pruitt was um, how I think uh, uh, Riley was surprised that Monsignor still. Um, he was definitely surprised about um, somebody named Miss Green at the classroom. And he's like, she's still teaching here. But he's like, no, her daughter. And then that caught. Uh, that cut uh, Riley's attention Riley's attention he's like oh she's back and then Warren makes a comment and I felt like he did this on purpose it was like yeah well she didn't come back alone you know mm-hmm. something rumbling. like that <laughs> there's rumblings of what she was up to but and then Mama Flynn was like no come on Warren don't say that she's like like look she's 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 showing she's she's about to show it was gonna happen one way or another and Riley just I love- 
I love the mom's response to this, though. She's just like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. All right. She's a very lovely girl and I'm happy to have her here, which um, the implication for it, like I know it was a nice thing to say, Mm -hmm. but the the implication for it is like, I don't know, like it's wrong that she's having a baby here and she's not married and whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I get that a lot of people feel that way, but it just it just felt like something very real that I've seen. I've seen in real life where it's like (laughs) someone's doing something nice, but you're also judging them really hard at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. That passive aggressiveness. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and you were saying Riley's reaction. Yeah, Riley was just sunken down. And then I think the conversation switched to Monsignor, how he's 80 years old, still functioning. He went to Islam um, to walk in the, um, to do a journey outside to walk where Jesus Christ walked. And that's a big thing. And um warren's like yeah but he was already showing signs of not being there alzheimer's dementia something he was everybody would see him walk around um at night and show up at random places and then mama flynn is just like oh but did you see him warren did you see him she's and he's like i didn't need to see him everybody's describing a dude in a fedora with a long coat walking around (laughs) you know you know (laughs) It was also that line, because uh, I kept having Jeepers Creepers in my head. Mm-hmm. And Jeepers Creepers also wears a fedora and wears a big coat. So <laughs> I was just like, the second thing where I'm like, are, are they doing Jeepers Creepers? <laughs> like that, I know it's not that. I, I don't know why I'm hung up on it, but like it's just all I could think of throughout the episode. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, like the wings, you know, it could be just like something that feeds, you know, that that feeds every every certain amount of years mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean we are 27 mm-hmm. uh for jeepers creepers it's every 27 yeah. years <laughs> what was it and then and then riley's just like yeah but like why would they send somebody at in that state out over uh, over there and then you know Mama Flynn starts defending the decision that he's going to come back. But um, then they switch to, like, we've learned Warren's an altar boy. And then Riley starts laughing, reminiscing, like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was an altar boy. About, you know, rising up the ranks with stuff I was striving for. And, um, uh, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you know, the chicks love a dude in uniform. And at this point, Papa Flynn has had enough. And well, there, before, was, there was another line. Had, there was another yeah. line that was said about um, uh, Riley going to... Uh, Mama Flynn was like, oh, we're all going to church tomorrow. And Riley's like, I'm not going to church. I'm, um, not me anymore. It's not me. It's not who I am. Uh, from this... At this point, it it all... It, definitely the guilt. We learn, We know the guilt is, is sitting on him. But... It felt more like because he used to be an altar boy. He used he was saying Lord's Prayer on at the scene of the accident, um, as he was looking at her body. It seemed at that point, not only is there survivor's guilt on his on his part, but like he did, he says he doesn't want to go to church, but it feels like he he's not ready to face God. He's not. Uh, he doesn't think he deserves God's love at this uh, right now. You know, 
Yeah, and like for a re really religious person, when something horrible happens to you or happens in general, really easy for them to just lose their faith after that. So, yeah. I it didn't surprise me that he's now an atheist because how could his God or whatever they were raising him to believe, how could they let his life turn out the way it was? Yeah, I can understand why he would do it. And I also feel like there's a lot of like, how can I face God? You know, I've yeah no i got that too yeah um but but yeah papa flynn it's like uh, all this talk of you not going to church and wearing altar boy uniforms to get girls Ugh, like I'm on sick. my house not in my now while i'm here and then you just see a close-up of mama flynn and she does the the classic like okay <laughs> their dad is talking the man in the house is talking i'm gonna shut my mouth i'm not gonna say anything you know like she 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 withdrew you could see her withdraw and um and uh papa flynn is just putting his foot down he's like you're going to church tomorrow that's that's the end of it i'm not hearing anymore could put that as part of your parole sentence and it's like damn <laughs> parole commission yeah i thought he was gonna resist a bit more like fight for it but i didn't realize how much he was kind of stuck where he is. He's yeah. he's a he's basically in another prison. Yeah, just a really nice with your family, but like he he has nothing. He has nowhere else to go. So tomorrow he's going to church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, to the like, like uh, there's a scene in between this, but later on when we see Riley in his bed, a uh, Papa Flynn does come back and kind of talk to him normal kind of like as a way of apologizing without apologizing it's like hey sorry i went off the handle but um but he didn't say i'm sorry he just went up there and said <clears> look uh it'll mean a lot to your mother if you're going to church um you know and then they had the small talk right he's like oh i heard about the oil spill and how it's been affecting everybody and mom caught me up and he's like he just looks at him he's like yeah Okay, you're going to church tomorrow. So he doesn't even like continue on. He's just like, You're going to church. Um Which um which like they're playing with like the you know, in the big religious Catholic family unit. The father is usually closed off, mm -hmm. you know, keeps all his emotions inside, and that that's kind of the character this dad's playing. They're playing yeah. with all the familiar archetypes for yeah. this type of family. Yeah. So in between that scene and the dinner. There's two scenes that I'm going to talk about. So go for it. One of them is another Beverly scene. <laughs> so we get Bev again. She's at St. Patrick's Catholic Church in the dead of night because she has nothing else going on in her life. She has no one. So she's there um, and she's helping out. I mean, I suppose she's doing something good. She's trying to set up the sign for tomorrow's mass and they ran out of A's. So she's using the letter for um, to put it in in, in place of the A so she could sm spell mass correctly. Whatever. She's doing her part. And then she does that. She goes into the church and she pounds on the door in the dead of night. I don't know what time it is. I'm going to pretend it's 2 a.m. because that's something Beth would do. <laughs> she pounds on the door and she's like, hello, Monsignor, are you home? Please wake up. And she just opens the door and walks in. <laughs> I don't know if she's welcome there. It kind of seems like she works for the church. So maybe she is. But again, I don't like Bev. I'm going to assume she just walks in to somebody's house. 
So she walks in and she's like, Monsignor, I see your stuff's here. Oh my gosh, the day I'm having. That sheriff, oh, the nerve on him. He wanted to have the shelter be at the school. And I yeah. told him, I said, that's not how we do things around here. The school. <laughs> I can't believe this, this horribly handsome sheriff. And she's out in all this stuff without even seeing Monsignor. And then out from the shadows comes a mysterious figure. We don't know who it is. Um, we just see wet and she's like oh uh who are you like she she doesn't know the face yeah and we cut from that scene yeah she has this like another like like stern look like uh like oh well well i don't even know how to describe it like it definitely was a monsignor she was surprised there was somebody else but like there was no look of familiarity but it was a look of like like i'm not in danger but you're trespassing i feel like for who the character turned out to be, she wanted to say something, but she knew her place. I th- that was the look I got. Yeah. There was a lot going on in the scene. Yeah. But we we don't get the reveal of who this is right away. Right. Uh, and it's a very mysterious character because this person drug, dragged a, a big chest into this house. <laughs> I think there was something where... There was a knock yeah. that he did on the chest, and the chest knocked, knocked back. back. Yeah, and then that's super creepy. Unlock the chest and open it up, and when we, when Bev walks into the house, we see um an open the chest open. Mm-hmm. Very creepy, very creepy. But we cut from that scene to an even creepier setting. We go back to Hookup Island. I don't know what it's called, but the like uppers. this little island, <laughs> the Uppards, that was nearby. And we're following a cat now. And this cat's just prowling around, looking for food, doing cat things. And it spies a dead animal. I believe it's another dead cat. Yeah. And, you know, these animals are starving. No one's taking care of them. So it's just going to get food from the dead cat because it has no other option. It's eating it, and we can hear twigs, something moving behind it. It's very eerie. The cat kind of senses it, but you know what? Even with his feline senses... That are superior to humans it doesn't react it doesn't notice anything around it so it just keeps eating it just has like a little head tilt and keeps going and then bah, something comes out we don't see what it is it grabs the cat and snatches it up and as you, the cat gets removed you can see like there's bite marks on the other cat that it was about to feed on something's crazy is going on here <laughs> and unfortunately that's all we see of the scene it just yeah. leaves you with a million questions <laughs> once again in my head jeepers creepers came out and <laughs> grabbed that cat nice and that was it that was the whole scene it was super scary very <laughs> eerie very very scary and that's when we cut back to the father-son moment <laughs> mm-hmm, that we already covered but it yeah. was a nice moment it yeah. was a nice moment so it's it was established that uh, he's going to church since he's has um uh doubts in his head he's not doing the um, accepting with the body of Christ and the 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 blood of Christ he's just going to stay back i forgot what that's called um he, um for when you receive the eucharist the host mm-hmm. the body of Christ you're supposed to not go and i knew this cuz you know my faith with one i was raised with is catholic so you're supposed to go up and get the Eucharist and eat it mm-hmm. if you had done confession recently yeah. and you're you're absolved of your sins. Oh, okay. If you don't do that, 
then you're not supposed to eat the Eucharist. Nobody really follows this rule. <laughs> I know that it exists because my family was very into it, but nobody follows this rule. They all just go because a lot of people don't confess anymore because it's uncomfortable, but you're supposed to. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah. So that... Oh, and before we leave this scene with the dad, <laughs> uh, he, he did a very uptight, like, I can't show my emotion father thing to do. Mm -hmm. And he... Oh, yeah. <laughs> He tries to hug him, and he's like, you know what? That's too much. We're going to handshake, and it's a very awkward scene that they yeah. have. And they kind of just, like, shake each other's bodies, and then he leaves. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> too real. Mm -hmm. the, the, I want to hug you, but, you know. And I feel like Riley's just like, it's, like, it's all right, man. You know, I, I, love, mm. I love you, Dad. You could tell he cares not just for his father, but the opinions and how he views um how his father views him so it's important and as we get this like bedtime for riley you know a big good night but from his dad we, we take a visit to a few other households just to see their nighttime routines so we go to the hassan house and we see the sheriff and his son ali and they're both praying mm -hmm. um so in this scene, it's kind of confirmed because I wasn't convinced, but it's confirmed that they're practicing Muslims. So they're they're praying on, I don't know what it's called because I'm not as learned in that religion, but they're praying on those little um, tarps that carpets. they put down. Yeah, the carpets. Little, yeah. Praying, it's a prayer mat that they're, yeah. you know, that they, they go on their knees and they pray. And you can see all these like looking, like looking around, but um, a sheriff allows it. Um, mm -hmm. And then... Sheriff is like, and this is where we get more confusion about the time period. He's like, "All right, go to bed. No texting, and I'll know when you text." So, there's texting. There's there's mobile phones, even though Mama Flynn has a cord phone. Uh, huge, huge reveal. Huge reveal. <laughs> so I have a I have a a theory for that, but um, uh, what was it? So do I. And it spoilers. It's the world's first cell phone. <laughs> Just. The, the before they went on the island, they stood in line for um the first iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so he's like he's like I'm a sheriff. I hear everything. No texting. And then he closes the door. First thing Ollie does, he's a teenager. He break whips out the phone, starts texting, and then you hear in the background, "All right, but only ten minutes of texting, and then it's <laughs> then you have to go to bed." And then Ollie just rolls his eyes. <laughs> Love that kid. Love yeah. that sheriff. I love their <laughs> whole family. It's so fun. Oh, and he has he tells him to kiss his mom goodnight oh, yeah, and yeah, he kisses the framed photo. That's very important. So we know that the mom's not around. She's Sadly. I guess we don't know. It's safe to assume she's dead, right? Because that isn't so. something you would do if they were divorced. No, he could be trying to instill the value of like your mom may not be around, but um, you know, you we still respect your mother. That's you know, they're, that's true. They're practitioners of Islam, so I'm, that you know, respect your elders is part of it. Mm -hmm. um, it may still try to inflict, uh, instinct, instill good values, though. I do subscribe to the theory that she's dead. Yeah. So here we cut to the doctor's house, and we see her little nighttime routine, which I'm sure happens a lot, where Doctor Gunning is in her home and her mom grandma gunning she is trying to go upstairs to her room because that's where her room used to be 
mm-hmm. until they had to move it downstairs for obvious reasons. She's an older lady. She can't do the stairs. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Gunnings sees her. She talks her through it. She talks her down, brings her back to the bed. It's a cute little scene. And then we instantly cut back to the Flynn house. And Riley's just looking out his window. I guess he can't sleep after the awkwardness of that dad hand hug shake. (laughs) So he's just staring out the window. And he sees Warren, cool kid as he is, just leaving, sneaking out the house. Yep. Super cool brother moment where where Riley's like, I see you. And (laughs) and like Warren catches that Riley's looking at him. And he's like, hey, what's up, bro? (laughs) And they have a little brother moment. It was cute. It was cute. But... That's when Riley decides he's ready to go to bed and he lays down and they did it for this scene too, right? The you know, it goes from the horizontal. Tilt. Yeah, they did the tilt. Mm-hmm. The F- Mike Flanagan tilt. And <laughs> the, F- the Flanagan tilt. And we see I was looking at the pupils, hopefully to see like something like you know, the silhouette of or anything. I didn't catch it, but I did start seeing on his face was red and blue lights. And then that's when mm-hmm. we get a, it pans over um, to Tara Beth's uh, haunting, uh, the embodiment of uh, Riley's guilt in the form of Tara Beth's mm-hmm. <laughs> corpse or whatever you want to call it. And we see a few other, you know, Scenes that just raise nothing but questions that I don't even know if we'll get answers to, but you know, we, we cut to Riley and he's like has his arms folded and he's in the boat that they used to get to the island. Oh yes, and yes. He's just like, you know, looking sad and I don't know what that's about, but it was interesting. No, and we also a... see like uh inside the church, church and there's like candles everywhere. But did you see the the, the blood on the wall? I saw some blood. Yeah, like, you're on... right. There yeah. was there was blood on the wall. Yeah. That was creepy. There's some well, I... I don't think that was his dream. I think something was being foreshadowed for us, the viewer. That's like, true. That could be true. Like something's going to happen and it's not going to be pretty. Interesting. I I read it as like a flashback, like something darker. Oh, oh that yeah. That was, that was the other theory I had. Um, That, well, that was my theory until he kind of confirmed that it's not, not happened. But I was looking at it like, there was a reason why he left. There was a reason why he started drinking. And there's a reason why, um, well, yeah, there's a reason why he started drinking. And there was a reason why that night he was drinking a lot and drove. That there's more to that accident than we, than we can see. But, um, maybe it was just an accident. Maybe it was just, he should, shouldn't have been drinking and driving. We'll see. I, I have to believe that there's going to be more to him. Like there's going to be a reason. Okay. But yeah, we um we cut to the next day. The sky looks beautiful. It's like a bright crimson red and everybody's just going about their morning routine. Mm-hmm. We see the father, Ed, and I think Warren are on the fisherman's boat and they're just like getting ready for the day. Mm-hmm. And then the father says this like rhyme, I guess, that sailors say this I don't know what to call it, a shanty? I don't know what it is. No, it's... So, <laughs> the saying. Yeah. And do you know what it was? Uh, it was crimson, crimson Sky at Night, uh, Fisherman's Delight, Crimson uh, crimson Sky in the Morning, uh, There Be a Warning, or something, I don't know. Something. I think it was just Red, Red Sky at Night. Oh, yeah, something. I like Sailor's it. Delight, Red Sky in the Morning, 
say there's the warning or something crazy like that. Yeah. It was cute. It was <laughs> cute. Ominous. Something bad's going to happen. Oh, yeah. We already know the storm's coming, so. <laughs> so then uh, after that, we cut to inside the church. It's Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So it's church time. Yeah. We know Riley's going to be there, but also so is the whole town, except for two members. They made it very clear. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to Warren and the delinquent getting ready to be altar boys, which is very weird for me to see the delinquent just (laughs) dressing up because they're a little bit too old for altar boys. (laughs) Altar boys, like at least when I was like younger, the the altar boys were all like, you know, 11, middle school age kids. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you this: um, Have you seen any younger kids than their age? That's correct. That is also a very good observation. <laughs> they may just be the youngest kids on this island. <laughs> it fits with everything Mama Flynn was telling uh, Riley. No one, no mm-hmm. one comes to the island. Everybody's trying to leave. So the delinquent and Warren are getting ready because they're, you know, they're 21 years old. So they're the older boys. And I'm just kidding. I don't know how old they are. They're probably like in high school. (laughs) So they're getting ready, but somebody opens up the door. Oh, no. Before they open up the door, Warren's told by the delinquent to get the stuff ready, you know, get the wine ready, get the host ready, make sure it's good to go. And then Warren's looking down, confused. He's like, somebody already did it. And like, nobody else is here to do this. <laughs> and the door opens up and we see the silhouette of the same mysterious man. Mm-hmm. But we can't see his face. What's he doing? <laughs> then we cut to inside of the, the church and everyone's there. The whole town's there. The whole shebang, except for the sheriff and his son. Kate is there. Not Kate. Aaron Green is there. Um, Bev is obviously there, front row, ready to go. She's been there for hours. The Liza is there. Everyone's there. So it cuts to everybody. Church is starting. Mass is starting. They start the opening hymn. And they all start singing. Uh, Bev singing up front on the podium. And then who do they see when they turn around? They expect to see Monsignor, the 80-year-old man who dresses like Jeepers Creepers. But it's not Monsignor. It is not. It's some new fellow. Yep. Some new blood. And everyone's real excited. They're like, oh my God, that's not that's not Monsignor. It's some young dude. Who's who is this guy? <laughs> and they get really talkative about it and then they get back to the hymn right away because this is church. And we see the new priest. What's his name? Father Paul Hill. Father Paul Hill. So Father Paul comes up. And he's like, I know you're all not expecting to see me. I'm just here filling in for Monsignor because Monsignor fell ill. Now, don't worry. He's not dying or anything. He's not terribly ill. He's just a little bit sick and he's taking some time to recover. (laughs) I'm just filling in purely in a temporary capacity. I'm not going to be here forever. All right, (laughs) guys? I'm just here until Monsignor gets back. He's just taking an extra day or two. (laughs) And everyone's like, all right, I believe it because you're a priest and you said it and we all believe you're a priest. But you know what? I, I don't believe he's a priest. Yeah. Like Something's weird about this man. They uh, they very, like, as soon as he walked through that door behind the altar boys when was singing the hymn, everybody took notice. It was like, 
mm. something's new here and everybody immediately noticed that pretty much new town ta- like small town nothing goes unnoticed in there mm-hmm. this scene was interesting they go through the whole mass and they they show you a lot of it he does the whole spiel that they say before this is the body of christ we've given up for you that whole thing in church he blesses the eucharist and then he breaks it apart and it's time in church if you've ever been to a catholic mass some of you have and some of you have this is the time where everyone has to get up and they go they receive the eucharist they eat it and they come back and sit down and say a prayer but like we mentioned earlier if you hadn't been to confession recently you're not supposed to go up you're supposed to sit down because you haven't been cleansed. Mm-hmm. Now, people don't do this because it's a little embarrassing to sit there because everyone knows that you're not, you know, spiritually pure at the moment. You haven't been to confession. So it's kind of like a shameful thing to do. So everyone stands up and they're ready to go. But Riley sits back down because him and his dad already agreed that that would be the respectful thing to do. Yeah. So he sits back down in shame. And everyone else goes to get the body of Christ. His mom looks confused and upset that he's not coming to receive the Eucharist, which I can relate to because, like, the few times that I had to do that in church, my mom reacted the same way just come up, come on, it doesn't matter, come on. And I'm like, no, there are rules. I'm not supposed to do it. Mainly because I just didn't want to get up at the moment, but whatever. So they all get up and they get the Eucharist and church is over and the father is just greeting everybody. You know, he's doing the priestly thing. He's saying hi to Liza. He's saying how Liza usually comes to all the daytime masses because that's been explained to him um, by Monsignor. So apparently Liza is going to church like every day. Interesting. Yeah. What do you feel about that? Like, I, I guess it, it makes sense. I mean, the church-going town that they are, I don't know what Liza's free time is like, but she goes to church every single day. That's a little much. Uh, She's in a wheelchair. Um, She probably just needs that extra, like, you know. Strength, I guess. Yeah, the confidence. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, And maybe she's also helping Monsignor. He's, he clearly is not all there. Mm-hmm. So she's probably feels like she should do her part as well. That that's what I took of it. And uh, her dad, um, Liza's dad, says, "Welcome to the pot," which is apparently what they call their town. The crock pot. It's supposed to be. Yeah. Like a, it's. It's. Uh, I don't know how to take it because, like, I don't know how the definition of crock pot, like the slang, uh, is in other places, but. It's supposed to be a melting pot, but they call it a crock pot. And it sounded mm. like offensive. <laughs> like we're yeah. yeah, like we're a melting pot. We have people from different um races here. You know, we have mixed people and yeah, so the crock pot. <laughs> we have people <laughs> of all kinds here. So it sounded like mm-hmm. a fit, like some people were like some races people were like, Oh yeah, melted pot, more like crock pot. <laughs> That's what we'll name our town. <laughs> so Liza and the, her family go away. You know, church is over for them. The Flynn's come out. And then they talk to the new priest. And the new priest is like, hey, what's up, Riley? Noticed that you sat back during the Eucharist. Funny <laughs> thing, huh? 
ooh, got real quiet real quick. Like, that's what he says, literally. <laughs> yeah. And it was very awkward. Very weird thing to point out. Yep. And Riley says something to the effect of, like, I'm not very pure right now. Mm-hmm. So I had to sit out. And he's like, that's okay. Um, I really liked what he was saying. He was just like, you know, Jesus didn't really have a lot of time for the spiritually pure. Mm-hmm. He typically hung out with the spiritually unpure. Yeah. And those were some of his best friends and those who he, those are who he loved the most. Yeah. So I can work with that. I can work with that. And he was very accepting. I still don't trust the man. I just like that little spiel. I feel like there's something really nefarious about him and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what it is. As Riley walked away, he like looked back like, like he's, it, it's supposed to give off. I think, you know, Mike Flanagan knows, you know, that, that mm-hmm. we're like, overanalyzing and looking way too much into it but he did it did never came off like uh oh he's a wounded man i want to heal the wounded it came off like i'm paying attention to riley you know uh, like i'm specifically interested in riley right now oh so there was something there was a line here that i, I wanted to point out as well riley walks away to go talk to aaron green Mm-hmm. Because she's beautiful, and before after he does that, the priest is just talking to the parents, mm-hmm. and the parents mention that like, man, it's been a while since we saw the old translation that you used. It's been like ten years since anyone's done that, and he was like, yes, yes, I know the new script is closer to the to the original Latin, but you know, I just thought I would throw it in, mm-hmm. and they're referring to this part of mass. I. I think they're referring to this part of mass where it's like the priest lifts their hand and they're like um peace be with you and then we used to say and also with you but now it's become and with your spirit because that's closer to the original translation Mm -hmm. and we just never like corrected it and i only mention it because i feel like it's a big plot point like i think something's off about him Mm -hmm. as a priest and part of like him knowing doing the the Thing from 10 years ago and later on we we see that he's he's wearing the incorrect garb for the occasion i feel like these little hints here are pointing towards something i can't begin to tell you what it is yeah. but i feel like they're both pieces to some question some big reveal later on yeah and he also arranged the stuff for the altar boy himself you know i feel like i'm i've never been an altar boy so mm-hmm. i can't tell you like i feel like um Maybe there's things you're supposed to do in an order or something, but it was mm-hmm. already done. I might be just reaching for straws here. Um, that could be a thing. I'm I'm looking at anything. Everything's <laughs> a clue in this show. Uh, who who pointed out his garb though? Oh, I'm sorry. Later on, Beverly, or <laughs> it doesn't even say Beverly. It just says Bev, Bev. but I think her name's Beverly. <laughs> Beverly points it out because she's yes. a Karen, and she's like, you know what? Actually, the golden garb you have on is not. For ordinary times, you're supposed <laughs> to wear that for special occasions, or like Easter or something like that. Not right now. What are you <laughs> doing? And he's like, sorry. I think the old Monsignor was a little kooky because he hid his green garb. This would have been better than wearing my pajamas. All right. So mm-hmm. sorry, Bev. And Bev's <laughs> like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. If you ever need anything, that's what I'm here for. So just tell me next time, okay? And don't <laughs> don't fuck it up again. <laughs> and she said that in church. Yeah, Furby. she didn't really say that, guys. But <laughs> it um, sounded like that. It might as well have been. 
<laughs> uh, let's see. And then we get the, the long-awaited reunion of Riley and Aaron as they're walking through. Uh, Riley decides, hey, uh, let me walk you back to your house if that's okay. She's like, sure. Mm-hmm. And we get the, the background story for both of them in this nice little excerpt. And mind you, there's a storm coming. So it's like getting more dreary by the day and gloomy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, so that's when we learned that Riley, they both left. Uh, Aaron ran away. She didn't just leave. She ran away. And um, Riley back then had guessed she went to upstate New York. but And that's where she ended up. But that's not what her whole story. She went south then she went to texas she went she followed a rock band for a while and she ended up in new york and i'm just gonna summarize real quick she got married and now she's pregnant but uh she um obviously the guy's not with her and that has not been revealed yet we don't know what happened all she says is that's over now she doesn't really say if it's over because she left him or because he died like we don't know we have no idea so uh, Riley's story is that he uh, he moved to Chicago, went to school, partied a lot, uh, got good with stocks, even started his own startup company, uh, partied a little too hard, I guess, and now he's an a- he's back and he's an atheist. And mm-hmm. we start getting, like, digging deeper. Andy's- Where is it? And he's broke. Oh, and he has no money. Yeah, so that explains how he paid off that one hundred forty-one thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, oh yeah, he 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 got he was making a lot of money to the point where he had that convertible and can just freaking, you know, drink and do whatever. But, um. Uh, but yeah, he the accident happened, and while he was in jail, he he got the Bible, and he needed to like. He was searching for the answer. He's searching for God. He needed God in that moment, and he's searching for God. And he didn't just stick to the Bible. He went everywhere, the um, the Quran, the um, what was it Torah, Torah everywhere, anywhere he can, every religion he can find, every anything he can do, anything devout. He was reading it. Lots of downtime in prison, so he got to read a lot. And yeah. And it, all the answers pointed to him going becoming atheist. That was it. I think, I think he just needed, to me, it's just like he was looking for God, so God can punish him to his face, kind of thing, like tell him what he did was wrong, like, like all that stuff. Instead of just being in this mysterious void of wonder, of like, you know, because he's he he's survivor's guilt. He's and then guilt guilt you know but whatever we can overanalyze more later <laughs> so they they're coming to the end of their little journey um he mentions how it's crazy that she's even back here mm-hmm. given that how hard and how much she wanted to leave mm-hmm. and she's like it is crazy and then it's all even crazier that she's back at church and she's like yeah it is but you know it helps me makes me feel strong or whatever She's found her religion again, and she's come back home to live. And they get back home, and she's like, how are you? And he's like, "Um, I'm good, you know, whatever. 
is what it is. And she's like, no. <laughs> Riley, look at my eyes. Look at my beautiful eyes. How <laughs> are you? And then Riley gets a little, you know, he looks away, gets a little uncomfortable. It just made me feel like they've done something like this before, where it's just like, no, I mean, like, really, how are you? Break it down. So he starts, you know, just letting all his emotions, yeah, all his emotions pour out, the ones that he had to shove inside because his dad was around. And he's just (laughs) letting everything pour out. Yeah. So what does he say? I honestly, it was just so much to take in. I don't remember, <laughs> but um, uh, what he says was to the effect of, you know, prison was easy. I had my whole life yeah. just scripted out for me. You know, at meal time, you know, read a book, exercise, do whatever, go to bed. Everything was easy. Now I'm out here, and what am I supposed to do? Yeah, am I supposed to go get a job? Am I supposed to just go to school? Like I don't know what to do now. No job will really hire him because he's an ex-con. It's really hard to find a job. Mm-hmm. He has no money. He's just in his house and he's breathing in his parents' home, and he just has nothing to do. He just does, he just exists. Mm-hmm. He just he's exists. pouring pouring his heart out. He just exists. That's yeah. correct. And then uh, he's like, he's like, like, what am I supposed to do? Just weather the storm and just continue existing. And that's when Aaron's like, yeah, weather the storm and worry about tomorrow tomorrow which was great advice just one day at a time one day at a time let's do that that's today's plan tomorrow we'll come up with a new plan and we'll keep doing that every day by the way there's a storm coming yeah (laughs) if we haven't mentioned it several times already um huge storm yeah take the small victories you'll see Mm -hmm. how far you get when you start counting the small victories rather than trying to focus on the big victories sometimes pretty good yeah sometimes that's what you got to do anybody Dealing with anything out there, count the small victories. Don't count the big ones. Not yet. Mm. The big ones will come. And that's what Riley decides. Well, it looks like he's ready to take that advice. He feel he, I felt like he felt better, but, you know, we'll see. I uh, felt better. I really <laughs> love that scene. <laughs> it was a nice scene. <laughs> now take that scene and have Bev say it to you. Don't even ruin this for me. It's one glimmer of hope in this whole episode. Yes. Uh, um. Aaron. Aaron Green speaking truth, and I think now is when we start getting Storm comes. the storms mm-hmm. coming. We see the sheriff coming out, making sure everybody's locking things up. The rain starts pouring. Um, shutters going up. Shutters going up. Riley's helping his mom put up some shutters. Even she's like, "Oh, I can I can replace those windows if they break. This is the window we need to focus on right now." <laughs> the, the this uh, store. This hit home a lot for me because I grew up a lot in Miami, and there's a lot of hurricanes there. So, mm-hmm. I agree. the The experience of putting up shutters because there's a hurricane coming is just something that you know brings back a lot of memories. Oh yeah. <laughs> we know the drill when it comes to that but yeah what else um yeah and then it's we start seeing the the gray clouds turn like dark gray or onyx mm-hmm. an onyx color almost black um it starts pouring thunder you could hear it you can see like the flashes of light in the background um there's a heartbreaking part where the the thunder's flashing where 
jumping from household to household mm -hmm. and we we spend a little more time in the like a second or two but in dr gunning's house mm -hmm. and she's trying to calm down her mom because her mom's right next to the window and she's obviously freaking out yeah because there's a there's a storm outside there's a nasty hurricane out there mm -hmm. and she's just trying to calm her down it just broke my heart to see <laughs> every time they show it it's just so sad and then we cut to Erin Green's house and she has a lot of candles, presumably to to light for um power outage. But it also felt like it was also for to um, for like a prayer thing. Mm -hmm. Light the candles to do some praying. Um and then we cut to Riley standing out watching the thunderstorm. The same way, the same position he was out looking when Warren was sneaking out of the house. Mm -hmm. and lightning he's looking at the the beach and then what does he see he's looking at the beach and the lightning keeps illuminating the scenery every time because there's a lot of lightning out there mm -hmm. but as the lightning strikes he sees an image he sees a very tall man in a long overcoat and a fedora Ooh. totally jeepers creepers but let's just pretend it's not so there's a, a tall man in a fedora with a long overcoat. Oh, and that he's just sounds... walking around. <laughs> that call back to uh the Hill House. Yeah. <laughs> the tall it does. Man. Yeah. <laughs> he has no feet. What the fuck? <laughs> so he sees this man and obviously it's the description of Monsignor that we received earlier. Yeah. Because it's the same outfit and there's only a couple hundred people in this town. Nobody dresses like that, so it has to be Monsignor. So Riley's like, excuse me, what's what the hell is Monsignor doing around here? And he goes to get the family, but everyone's not really buying it. They're just like, look, Monsignor's on the mainland. You're a convict. We don't believe you. And they didn't say that, but I just feel like, why aren't you believing him right now? He saw what he saw. Like, he, he's not a liar. <laughs> or whatever. Like, no one buys it. And it. we clearly saw Monsignor running. Did you have something to say? Yeah, I was, was going to say, like, that's how much they value Monsignor, that if it doesn't make sense, it can't possibly add up, you know? But mm -hmm. Riley hasn't been there in four years, and with everything he's heard, of course he's going to, you know, be like, okay, that's definitely Monsignor, and um, he's out there in the storm. He's not all there right now. Maybe he, maybe he wandered off, got on a boat, came here, it's storming, and he's just like, doesn't, just walking like it's normal. So we cut from that to Riley running in the storm, chasing after Monsignor. I mean, that's ballsy. <laughs> He's running out there. Yeah. He's running out there after Monsignor, but he just can't catch up to him. And I love this scene because it, it just feels like a nightmare. Like, it feels like yeah. a nightmare that everyone's had where it's just like you're running towards something and you can't quite make it. Yeah. Like, because you're asleep and you can't actually run. Um, even though it feels like you're running really fast, you're running slower and slower because he's running through the sand. But the thing you're chasing is just going at a normal pace. It was a great scene. It really, it felt like I was watching a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually he gets to the point where they got to the edge of the beach and there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. No one there. Just, just beach. And he's just really confused. And he just turns around and goes back to, back home. And we see the next morning, aftermath of the storm, there's some damage, property damage, which is common after all big storms. Everybody's just 
you know, assessing the damage. We cut to inside the Flynn family house and they're just talking about the boat and, you know, what's what's going on. They step outside and there's birds everywhere. There's wreckage. There's like, you know, cans flipped over, things of that nature. So as they're walking outside, looking at all the damage, they see the birds just flocking over on the beach nearby. Mm-hmm. You want to describe what they see? Oh, so Riley calls over his dad. It's like, what are they doing? And this is a, a callback to what Warren said earlier. This is how we know every dialogue is important and you have to write it down and take notes. Mm-hmm. Warren said uh, everything from the, uh, from the upwards, um, when it rains, floats up to the beach and he's stuck cleaning it up. So, but we see a lot in the upwards, and now we see it on the beach. This is what Riley and the family sees. Where are the seagulls flocking to? A bunch of dead cats with noticeable bite marks on their neck. Just dozens and dozens of cats dead, eaten, washed up on the on the beach. How did that happen? What happened to these cats? What bit them? Are is the town gonna assume that it was the birds that make those bite marks, or are they gonna notice that it was something that bit them that killed them? There's literally thousands of cats scattered across the whole beach. Yeah. Okay, thousands might be an exaggeration, but there's at least <laughs> hundreds of cats on that beach, dead. And they zoom in the one. It's very unsettling because cats are great. And <laughs> we're looking at a dead one, and then they end it right there, written by Michael Flanagan or Mike Flanagan specifically that was the cat that was in the uppers consuming a dead cat's corpse when he got snatched and then we go that that was a specific cat with a bite mark on his neck good catch i didn't even notice that's that's a good catch scary (laughs) yeah uh fantastic oh that was like that hooked the fuck out of me we almost didn't do this podcast because we were gonna watch the next one, but we we love you guys. Yeah, <laughs> we're holding out, and you know what? I'm kind of glad we did because we have a lot to say. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So the way I think we should end this is just talking about the questions we have. So what's what's some questions you have for this uh-huh. for this next episode <laughs> for the upcoming season? Really, uh-huh. like what are you left with? Well, what the the big question is. That fucking what the fuck was the giant albatross <laughs> like that's whatever the fuck is on the upwards you know um mm-hmm. i'll just go through these questions real quick but i'll we'll go to the theories right after um what's up with father well paul hill mm-hmm. what's up with uh monsignor uh what's up with um whatever the fuck's on the upwards uh and that whatever flashback or scene that was in riley's head (laughs) there's there's two other questions that i have um what drove riley to the drunken mess that we saw at the beginning Mm -hmm. like what happened to him this to send him spiraling to where we where we meet him in the first episode and the other big question i have is what happened to aaron's husband or you know baby daddy like what what's going on with him yeah um 
You posed an interesting theory about Aaron's baby. Yeah. I am going to call it now. Just, you know, don't make fun of me when it's totally wrong. (laughs) But I feel like given the the whole aesthetic of the show and the whole theme that we're going with, where it's like a horror built around, you know, Catholicism, I feel like there was no father. Mm. I think she found her faith again because this was just an immaculate conception and maybe it'll be something sinister going on there. Maybe it may, it probably won't be like that because they might want to avoid, you know, too much beating you over the head with the religious like comparisons. Mm -hmm. But I just, I feel like that's going to be true. I mean, it's a good theory. It could be something that could have brought her faith back and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause we don't know what brought her. Another question. What brought her? We know why, Riley lost faith, but what what gave Aaron her faith back? Because it was already stated that um, the fact that she's in church is just like a big deal. My theory, okay, and buckle up for this one. It's not a great theory. I don't think it's going to pan out, but um, Father Paul said Monsignor will be back. I think it's I think we're under a uh, theory right off the back is that um, Father Paul brought in Monsignor in that trunk, right? I think uh, Father Paul. I mean, I think Monsignor um, is probably died on his trip or something, and they resurrected him as a demon or something, something not of this world <laughs> and they when they resurrected him as such they put him in the trunk and he came out and he's feasting on the cats and that's why they saw father um that's why i saw him that's why riley saw monsignor as in the um, on the beach in that thunderstorm and i think he flew away that's why they uh he couldn't he he saw him disappear that's my theory I support it. I I feel like that's 100% true. I'm just going to add that also Monsignor is Jeepers Creepers. That's it. Yeah. That's I mean, my only addition. I mean, at yeah. this point, a winged evil entity. <laughs> that's the only way to I, describe it. Yeah. These are pretty good theories. What else did I want to theorize? I'm just going to throw out some wacky ones. Um, I think your theory fits better that the inside the box was Monsignor, this mm-hmm. you know deformed creature version of him. Mm-hmm. Another weird idea I had was that somehow um, Father Paul is Monsignor, and like he found the Fountain of Youth when he was in Jerusalem or wherever he went, Ooh. and now he's younger, but he's just coming back and like um, rejoining society. That's what I kind of thought. That's one of the crazy theories I had. I don't cool. believe that's going to pan out, but that would be cool. That is, that would, that would be, be cool. cool. I mean, I'll explain. The, there's something up with him being with Father Paul, not knowing, like, like he's, he's very, like, you could tell he's knowledgeable, but he's getting things wrong. Like, he's doing things that, like, that somebody in his position should not be doing wrong. And Bev is right there to call his ass on with it, so... We'll see. And we'll go back to what we both agreed on. Bev 
will either see this entity, call it an angel of destruction, calling out everybody for their sins, and blame it on Riley and Aaron. It's like, oh, when they returned, this happened. Mm -hmm. Or she's going to blame it on the sheriff because that's the kind of person she is. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) She's she's going to falsely accuse somebody. We know it. Yeah, We know it. I feel like that if that scene doesn't happen, then I don't know what goes on with writing these days. But I, I just feel like it has to happen. Yes. Well, it, it'll come down to she believes she's the purest person in that whole entire island. Of course. Yeah. And the entire, what's called crockpot, right? So they're not, mm-hmm. they're quote unquote probably not pure. And she's going to call everybody out on that shit. She's the purest crockpotian in the entire <laughs> town. Uh, but yeah, very excited. Should be fun. Loved it. Yes. I, I'm so hyped for this show. I can't wait oh, for us to do another episode, and I hope you guys will stick with us throughout the whole ride. Yes. And as we do this, we'll also be doing Are You Afraid of the Dark as well. Don't mm-hmm. forget. And, and a myriad of other shows. Yes. Well, this is the start of an October event, so enjoy, everybody. Any last words, Jumbie? Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor's warning. Nice. Thank you for joining us, everybody. This is where we would put an outro if we had one. Good night. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Bye.